Welcome to On Texas Football. It's the Longhorn live stream on Tuesday nights with Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton. How you doing tonight, Jerry? I'm good, man. Just trying to stay warm in Houston, Texas in uh, November. I was going to say, I got to tell you, Bobby, it's a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> you look like you're all like snuggled up and stuff in that little pullover. I don't even know what to say to you. It's, yeah. it's You're definitely not outside, you know, or in your car. Uh, that sort of thing right now. So send extra send extra blankets from Franklin. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I don't want to be anywhere around Lawrence at two thirty when it's thirty five degrees at kickoff. I'll tell you. I was going to say it's going to be and it's supposed to have a little bit of a breeze in in Lawrence at kickoff on Saturday. Uh, I think kick is at two thirty, right? Um, and so uh, Texas is going to have to deal with that. Uh, speaking of uh, all this weather and stuff, I got to give a, a plug now for our sponsors of this show, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, check out www.energytexas.com. Uh, Jerry, uh, how about a lack of energy for the Texas offense on Saturday uh, night, uh, a lack of uh, connectivity is, is even a better word, maybe, huh? Uh, what are what are your think? What are your thoughts going into this uh, this week, and and what Texas got going on? My first thing is, I thought Texas shooting one of nineteen from three was bad, and and the win over a uh, Houston Christian, but it got topped on the football field Saturday night. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that was zero for nineteen. Okay, <laughs> putting in in the three point percentage territory. Um, look, I mean. It's going to be cold. Um, it's going to be a challenge. I think Kansas has a tremendous coaching staff. I think the guy, the job the guy's done there is amazing, honestly. I mean, he lost a starting quarterback against TCU. Um, they remain competitive. Um, I think the defense is going to have to bring it again. Um, and and I think, look, this is a game I, – I, I don't know what to say. Other than Texas should run the ball well. We'll see if they do run the ball well. You know, I, I think you got to wonder whether or not Texas is going to be able to run the ball if teams continue to load up the box. I mean, at what point do you, you know, you say your guys versus my guys, you know, what whatever you want to get at there. But uh, Texas cannot uh, necessarily force the run. They're just not that good enough, especially when they don't have the numbers. I mean, in, at least that's my take on it. What about yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see Sark. I mean, I, I look, I'm I'm zero and zero, okay? I'm an opinion. I would love to see him come out in diamond formation, do some of the things, no matter what Kansas is showing in their front. Just come out and do some of the things that guys were successful with, they were confident with um, early, early in the season uh, when things were really clicking. Um, just come out and be hard-headed a little bit with it. Uh, protect your quarterback on the road because, I mean, it's not going to be an easy environment Saturday. Look, I mean, Kansas, I mean, I don't know. It is basketball season in Lawrence. I'm not sure how much the fan base is going to be in this game, but since it's the University of Texas in Lawrence, I'm guessing they're going to be pretty excited, the 25,000 that are there or so, right? So um, I would love to see Sark just be really hard-headed in the run game. You have – Two games, well, three games left with B. John Robinson, right? You have two regular season games left. I mean, there's no reason why him and Roshan should not combine to touch the ball 35 times Saturday. Running, passing, running, receiving, whatever it may be. You're down to two games left with those guys. Um, and I would force the run game. i protect Quinn. i get as many third and five and sixes as possible. Um, I would try to condense this game a little bit on the road. I know it's the opposite of the way Sark is inherently, but um, what he has been doing hasn't been working on offense. So it's time to be a little hard-headed and, and ride your horses. All right, uh, question, Bobby, Jerry, what are your thoughts on Sark moving to the short game to get Quinn going with confidence? Thanks, Ari, for your uh, uh, question. Uh, I think that th they should go to the short game. I, I think that that's any kind of controlled passing game that keeps – uh, Texas on the field on offense is going to be welcome in this matchup. Uh, Kansas is one of the top. I know this is going to sound crazy, Jerry. Uh, Texas is one of the best um, teams in the country in yards per play. Kansas is averaging seven yards per play from scrimmage right now. It's it's unconscionable. And so I think that the, another thing that Texas can't do on Saturday 
they can't go out to a big a big deficit where that makes Kansas really tough to defend when they always have two way goes. They could be third and eight and they'll be running the ball. You just can't you can't do that against a team like this. And I think that uh, some control passing game for Quinn Ewers, putting uh, some uh, uh, some conflict uh, on the Kansas secondary, especially on the edges. Uh, with guys like Jordan Whittington, which we saw have success against TCU. I think that's the way to go. Uh, I think that Texas got to look into that. I, I think the weather is going to dictate a lot of this as well. I, I I just don't think – look, I've jokingly said to Ian Boyd uh, last Friday, Sark would throw deep in a blizzard in Green Bay, and maybe that is the case. But um, I think Saturday is going to dictate a little bit more of a conservative game plan in the passing game. And I actually think that may be just what the doctor ordered. And the flip side is Kansas is going to know that, right? So um, it, it's just going to be interesting. But, look, here's the thing. I think Brian Irwin, coach, coach, said something so great. Of all the players, and I hate to be, I hate to say this, but all the players at Texas that I expected the most from that have had a disappointing season, Xavier Worthy's number one for me. I want to see the guy fight for the ball fight to get off coverage, draw a personal foul. I mean, do something. Bail his quarterback out a couple of times in a game. He hasn't bailed his quarterback out. When's the last time you recall him bailing his quarterback out? It's actually been the opposite. So, And I hate to be hard on the singular player. I've been a little hard on Alfred Collins, too. I mean, he's the most talented defensive lineman they have. He's played like the fifth most talented. And he's just got too much ability to be that. But Xavier Worthy was a freshman All-American. And he's been a underachiever as a sophomore. And it, maybe this is his game, but he needs to step up and, and play like an All-American at some point, which he has not done this year. I don't care what they say about him coming out of Belmont. Yep. All right. Hey, I got got this question. Let's talk a little recruiting here. A uh, lot of big-time prospects on campus over the weekend, uh, including Arch Manning uh, was there, Deuce Robinson, the big tight end, number one tight end in the country out of Arizona. Uh, joining them was the number one overall prospect, I think, out of the state of Texas this year, Denton Ryan linebacker Anthony Hill. Uh, you have put in a RPM for Hill to Texas at 60%. Uh, Kurt Copeland here asks you, would you change that percentage knowing <laughs> what you know now, Jerry? Until I hear that he's going out of state for college, I would not. I mean, look, this this recruitment's been the same for months now. Um AM, Texas, Oklahoma. And the person, a person that's been close to this for years, continue to say, this kid's going to go to AM or Texas. Then he committed to AM. I just haven't heard differently. Does that mean it can change in December? Sure. But to this point, there's been nothing in this recruitment that indicates things are changing and he's going to go far away from home. I just don't think that's what's going to happen as of today. Could that change in December? Yes, it's recruiting. It can obviously change. Um, but the schools coming after him are no different than they were before. And the original decision was to stay close to home. And I expect that to be the decision again. Got it. Um, all right. What do you think about him going back to AM? Do you think AM has a real shot there? Or do you think that you think he would have never decommitted in the first place? I, I don't think he would have decommitted in the first place. I, I, I just think I, I just think there's too much negativity. I mean, it's amazing how fast things change in the recruiting world, right? I mean, that was a – A&M was beginning to be a cool school to kids on signing day of 2022. Now they're having a tough time, and it just doesn't take much. They're three and seven. They have UMass now, but I just don't see that. Um, I, I could be wrong again, but I just don't see that. As of today, I don't see that. I think players recruit players, and I think right now the players are not recruiting players at AM. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, let's uh, let's ask this question. Uh, Scuba Pete, Florida, wants to know what's up with Cedric Baxter. That's who we were talking about just before we went on the air. You and I were kind of uh, talking about him a little bit. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this, things remain the same. As long as Tashore choices at Texas, I like Texas chances. Look, he grew, Cedric grew up a Florida State fan. He was committed to FSU at one time. 
He's been to FSU twice. I'm sure he'll be back again, possibly. Um, he told me last week he's not going anywhere as long as Edgewater's in the playoffs. Um, you know, look, Florida, Florida State play at the end of the year. I'll be shocked if he's not at that game. If I was in the state of Florida and was in three hours, I would go to that game, Bobby. I mean, um, but I think Tashore Choice has a great relationship with Baxter. I think there's opportunity. I think there's offensive scheme. Um, I think, look, I mean, the losses, I know – Freak Texas fans out on this, but think about the way Bijan's been used at Texas this year. I mean, think about his, his ability. He's shown he's an all-around back. He's going to be a first-round pick unless he tests poorly. Uh, we know he's going to interview well. So I just think there's too many things in Texas' favor. Not saying FSU's not going to make a real run at it. Look, they're two wins away from going 9-3 and three this year. And I don't think anybody had FSU going 9-3 and three this year. So yeah. – I mean, that is, that is to be considered, um, and he's been on campus twice, but I think the short choice and Baxter have such a good relationship. I think it would be an extremely difficult call for Cedric Baxter to make the short choice to tell him he's not coming to Texas as of today. Got it. Um, some folks want to know a little bit about basketball recruiting, Jerry. I'm headed to uh, the Moody Center uh, tomorrow night to watch the Longhorns take on Gonzaga. Uh, and uh, before – but I, it's going to be a fun game. Should be really fun. I, I, I heard a uh, interview or watched an interview today with with Chris Beard, and he was talking about Drew Timmy and those guys at Gonzaga and whatnot. It said he was one of the best basketball players he'd seen in in college basketball. Is that did you hear that from Beard or no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look. Coach loves. He, I love Coach Beard, right? And you think he, he loves hyperbole a little he bit. He does. He does, especially leading up to seasons or games, right? I mean. Drew Timmy's a tremendous college basketball player. I mean, I watched him play at Richardson Pierce in high school. Uh, he went to high school with a couple of my, my my cousins up at Richardson Pierce. I've seen him a lot. Um, he, he's going to get 23 and 10 tomorrow unless he's in foul trouble. That's just the way that game's going to go. He's that type of productive player. He's that experienced. He's that good as a college basketball player. There's also a reason he hasn't gone to the NBA. I mean, he's still limited defensively. He doesn't shoot it as well. He's not as athletic as you ideally want, but he's a tremendous college basketball player. Um, Gonzaga, to me, Bobby, when you watch them, they're not going to be as good as they their last two or three teams have been. They're not – Nimhard, the point guard that's with the Pacers, now, I think he started three games. He was so good at creating angles to get the ball to Timmy on the block in the right position – and they run a lot of – for the basketball junkies out there, they run a lot of pin-down action with a flare game in their half court. He was so good at creating that extra step or two of space. Um, Nolan Hickman, their point guard, has not been to this point. Uh, this is not one of the top three Gonzaga teams that Mark Fuse had. They haven't won a national championship under him. Maybe this is the year, but I just don't think it is. Um, I think Texas has better athletes at guard than Gonzaga. It's going to come down to how well Texas shoots the three tomorrow. I, people worry about the rebounding, but here's the thing people have to understand about Chris Beard's teams. He really overplays at all five positions in the half court. He pr puts immense pressure on every player on the court. Texas Tech went to the national championship game in 2018-19. They had a plus 1.3 rebound advantage. That is about as low as you'll see for a team that goes to the national championship game. They were actually out-rebounded in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight in final four games, which they won. Gonzaga out-rebounded that year, 37-29. Texas is going to get out-rebounded the mark. Gonzaga's got more big bodies. They have more experienced big bodies, and Texas is going to put as much pressure as they can on the Gonzaga guards. It's going to come down to Texas shooting a three tomorrow. And by the way, the signing period ends tomorrow too, which I know we need to talk about. Yeah, we do. I want to get to that because people want to know, want some basketball recruiting talk. Uh, first, we had a question from Jay, the activist. Oh. Random question. Whatever happened to, to Mike? Is it Mick Kabanga? Mick, yeah. Right? yeah, you know, he. I believe he still plays overseas. Um, he was a kid that – here's what's crazy is um, he actually decommitted from Texas for about two days and thought about going to Duke. That's how high level of a recruit he was when he came out of high school. I believe it was 2011, 2011 or 12. Um, he's been playing overseas. He never made it in the NBA. He's been playing overseas now, as you can see, for eight years. He, you know, he looked, he's a kid that just never, he had tremendous court vision. He was a really quick guy. He had enough size, but he wasn't tall, tall. We're talking six, one and a half. But the reason Texas got him is you see the names Tristan Thompson and Corey Joseph there. 
Texas associate head coach Rodney Terry um, did a great job recruiting that AAU program in the Toronto area for many years at Texas. And that's why Cabongo ended up at Texas. But you're just, you know, he's one of those guys that was recruited by everybody and just didn't turn out as well as people thought he was. Some of that was maybe feel for the game once you've got past his athleticism in the half court. Then he didn't shoot the three well. Um, and the NBA game right now is all about shooting the three well. And he just has never matched up with the NBA style. Um, he just was a guy that wasn't as good as people thought he was going to be coming out of high school, but he does play overseas, still makes a living playing basketball. All right. Uh, basketball recruiting talk. Uh, there's a, a signing day tomorrow, you said? Yeah, the end of the signing period is uh, November 16th. Well, all that means for those wondering is you, if you're going to sign a letter of intent, you have to have it in on the 16th. You don't have to announce tomorrow. That's something important for uh, Texas fans and college basketball fans to know. There's going to be a few kids that will sign their letters either tonight or tomorrow, and they may not announce for a few days. But that doesn't mean if you don't hear somebody signs tomorrow publicly, that doesn't mean they haven't signed. Just something to keep in mind. Texas has two guys still on the board in 2023 cycle early. A.J. Johnson on three consensus five-star um, out of uh, Woodland Hills, California, um, he's at Southern California Prep. He is the little brother of Jalen Green, Houston Rockets star guard. Uh, Texas has been the leader the whole way through, beginning in the uh, September official visits. He only visited Texas and LSU. I think Texas is a heavy favorite. Um, I think there's at least a 50-50 chance he signs a letter in the early period. When he announces, I don't know. Uh, the other kid is Cedric Lath, um, pronounced Lat 6'9", power forward out of uh, Henderson, Nevada at Liberty High School. He's pretty much come down to Houston and Texas. Houston's taken three guys early, a power forward and a center. I'm not sure Texas is going to take three guys early in this class. They didn't last year. They signed Dylan Mitchell and Arterio Morris. They wanted Cason Wallace, didn't get him. Um, look, Chris Beard's going to balance high school and portal recruiting, and he is going to be very patient. Um, and that's just something to keep in mind. If A.J. Johnson goes Texas way, I think they may be done in the early period. Interesting. Um, all right. Um, we talk about uh, all of this basketball stuff and and whatnot. Uh, I want to go back to football recruiting real quick and see if uh, you heard anything like this. Any recruit have a better than expected visit on Saturday? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think Johnny Bowens did. Now, is Texas too late to the party on him? The defensive tackle at Converse Judson, he's announcing November 24th, a one-time Texas A&M commitment. He was at Oregon for an official visit, I think, last weekend in September. He was at AM November 5th. I don't think any of those visits have gone great for AM on the field. Uh, but Texas kind of re-engaged in this recruitment in mid-October. I went to Converse Judson a couple, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now. And I thought Texas was a long shot, but he said, you know what? I need I haven't given Texas much of a chance. I I need to go there for a game. So him and his father went to the game Saturday, and look, he dropped the top three before the game of AM, Oregon, and Texas. I do think Texas has a chance at him. Um, will they get him? I don't know. But, you know, a lot of the talk centered around Anthony Hill and Deuce Robinson and DeAndre Moore and uh, Jaden Greathouse and those guys. But Johnny Bowens is an interesting one because Texas came on back into the picture late, and he had a really good visit. Texas remains in his, in, in his final three with a decision November 24th. Yeah, I, I think that, look, I mean, Texas is uh, – I, I don't know uh, that you're going to have many great visits whenever your team loses 17 to 10. Uh, but here's one thing to consider. Uh, you know, a lot of the big-name recruits that were there, there were – yes, the Arch Manning was there, DeAndre Moore, Deuce Robinson on offense. But a lot of the top guys that were there that were uncommitted were actually on defense. And right. the defense actually played pretty darn good. Well, a twofold, right? If you're a defensive lineman, that Texas had five sacks in that game. They were in the backfield a lot. If you just focused on your position, you were intrigued by Texas or impressed by Texas. And if you've done your homework, you know how much they've improved this season. You got three guys, maybe four, that are going to be drafted um, this year out of that group. Okay. After last year, I'm not sure people would have pegged that to happen. So Bo Davis but continues to be on the rise, even though he's a very experienced coach. Those guys have gotten better. The other thing was, look, if you talk to um, fans, you know, we have friends that were there, Bobby, and talk to recruits. They said the atmosphere is better than the Alabama game. 
I spoke with somebody on that's on the Texas side that's not a football in football today, and they said that atmosphere is the best they've ever been to at a Texas football game, and they've been to about fifty. Got it. As a student and as a coach in another sport, so Got that's it. how impressive it was Saturday night. Got it. Um, let me ask you this question: Is there a situation where, and this is this is really the question behind the question, right? <laughs> Uh, is there, Chris Harrington wants to know, is there a situation where we could see Hudson Card over the next two weeks? If so, what situation would that be? I, I'm going to say this, Chris. Uh, I'm going to say taking injury out of it, because obviously you would see him in case of injury. Um, I, I could see Texas going to, to to Hudson Card if they don't get things going in the first half against Kansas. Um, Texas has been has not scored a touchdown in six straight quarters going back to the second half of Kansas State, uh, had a problem moving the ball the entire game against TCU. Uh, no consistency, not good execution in the red zone. Uh, so what could it be? Uh, you know, a scoreless first half? Maybe we see Hudson Card. What are your thoughts, Jerry? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's nothing against Hudson Card. I don't make the move. I I, I, I stick with Quinn Ewers. I want him to develop. Um, I, I have to acknowledge that, look, when Quinn throws a good ball like Saturday night, Xavier Worthy drops it. Stavion Sanders had a drop, right? It, things aren't clicking. It's more than a quarter. It's more than quarterback play for me. Um, if Hudson Card had been a kid who had had a lot of success and just got beat out by somebody better. That's one thing. Hudson Card's one in five against Power Five opponents. I'm not taking anything away from Hudson Card. He's one in five against Power Five opponents. So people think this is going to be some magic pill. No, it's not. Um, there's there's a reason that Quinn Ewers won the job. I mean, Hudson Card, while he improved as a sophomore, he holds the ball way too long. And, and, and when you have a young offensive line, that's maybe the scariest thing to a coach. If you're limited in your playbook and you hold the ball too long, that's a scary thing. Yes, you can make plays with your feet, but um, holding the ball with a young offensive line is probably the scariest thing for an offensive coordinator in college football. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just – I would be reticent to make the move, uh, but I could see it happening if things just do not go as planned. Uh, you know, that's just – the way of the world. Um, Jerry, are you hearing anything about uh, guys having second thoughts with the Longhorns? Uh, Sadir Mitchell, uh, uh, Dylan Spencer, uh, Cedric Baxter, we talked about already. Derek Williams down in Louisiana. Any Anybody that you're hearing right now that Texas needs to be particularly on the lookout for more so than they have been? No, you know, I think there was some chatter about Dylan Mitchell or, um, early in the week. Dylan Spencer. Yeah, Dylan Spencer, sorry, Dylan. Yeah, early in the week, it's just Tuesday night. But, yeah, there was some chatter about that. But, you know, I checked in on that C. King, and the staff had not heard about that. Um, his position coach had not heard about that. So, I think, um, look, there's always going to be stuff. when If a team struggles, right, um, there's high expectations. They don't meet the expectations. Um with Sadir Mitchell, Georgia's not going to back off him until signing day. FSU's not going to back off a back. So I've said this as a broken record, but this isn't supposed to be easy when you're recruiting the best players. I mean, that's just – it's not supposed to be easy. Um, and I can tell the Texas fans this. Uh, Sadir Mitchell's being recruited like he's not a committed football player. Cedric Baxter, the same. And, and Derek Williams, the same. Um, if there's – one school right now that I think has, you know, look, throw Georgia out the window, right? They're probably going to win the national title second straight year um, unless something funky happens because I think they're the best team. Um, LSU's the one that's gained momentum this year. You know, just we think back to when Brian Kelly was hired, all of his dancing videos, everybody's making fun of him. He's not a fit. He's not a fit this. He's not a fit that. And while we, Bobby, we talked about it. We acknowledge he wasn't a fit, but the guy's a damn good football coach. I tell you what fits. I, I'll tell you winning. what fits. Everywhere. Winning. Winning. 
winning. And not, and and I want to say this, not Bo Pelini winning eight or nine games at Nebraska. Right. He beat Nick Saban in year one. It took Jimbo four years. Right. He beat Nick in year. And yes, this is the worst Alabama team since 07, in my opinion. They played the most undisciplined Alabama football since Nick Saban's first year, but it doesn't matter in recruiting. LSU beat Alabama. Um, you know what else helps recruiting? Harold Perkins. And yeah. He's not just a freshman. He is a star freshman. So you now have a kid that came in from Houston, Texas, that it's going to have 10 sacks this year if he stays healthy after not playing much the first two games. And Lane Kiffin saying that guy was the difference in our game. And now you have a star freshman that's making a name for himself. And we've talked about it with Kelvin Banks on the Texas side starting. Um, you know, you saw Terrence Brooks start his first game Saturday, but um, much the way Kelvin Banks is, but it's different because Harold Perkins is a guy that is going to be on Sports Center every time he makes a play, right? They have some Sports Center freshmen. They have a Sports Center freshman at LSU. So that helps recruiting too. So Derek Williams, you know, Look, LSU's got a number of defensive backs committed. They're still after JV and Toviano, right? I mean, um, so there's some numbers game working at LSU, but LSU's not backing off of Derek Williams. He's a top three safety in the country. That's a guy you have to recruit like he's not committed if you're Texas, and that's what Texas is doing. Let me ask you this question from Daniel Kinneman. Uh, How much does the team miss Junior Anglau this year? That's a tough one. I mean, look, was he going to challenge Jake Majors at center this year? It didn't – it seemed like that's where it was headed for him, right? Um, So, is he he better than Hayden Connor or Cole Hudson at guard? I mean, I could argue he's not. I mean, I I, I could argue he's not. I don't know if that's for sure the case. He had experience over those guys. But it sure looked like he was headed towards a battle at center. so how much does Texas miss him? It's hard to say. When you struggle offensively, you could point to one position. You could point to quarterback. You can point to wide receiver. You can point to a number of positions. But I know this. When I look at the Texas offense, you have a future NFL draft pick at left tackle, a couple of guys on the wide receiver core that will play in the NFL, a tight end it's going to be a high draft pick, a quarterback that will be a draft pick no matter how well he plays as a true freshman or not. Um, you have a couple of running backs and NFL players. You have enough that you should score the, score the ball against a TCU defense that wasn't very good. Closing in on the 30-minute mark, uh, speaking with uh, Jerry Hamilton of On3 and Inside Texas. Uh, this is the Longhorn live stream on Texas football. Uh, Jerry and I are part of the InsideTexas.com crew. Uh, we're there each and every day with articles uh, talking about recruiting, football, uh, other sports team news. Uh, Etc. Not only Jerry and myself, but also Eric Nalin, the publisher, uh, Justin Wells, Joe Cook, uh, Paul Wadlington, Ian Boyd. Uh, we are all there uh, talking Texas football each and every day. Uh, Jerry, before I get going, I want to say uh, thank you to our sponsor one more time. And when I say this, I'm, I'm saying until we get to the next half hour here, because we've got a, a whole half hour to go. Uh, I wanted to say thank you to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Um, Jerry, we, we talk about Texas and all of what they need to do uh, in recruiting and what they need to do on offense up in, in uh, Lawrence this week. Uh, give people a feel for what you think uh, Texas needs to do, not just from a recruiting perspective and a team perspective, but how do we how do we talk about this? Because I want to this is the question that I'm leading into. And I know this is going to be hard to really understand where I'm going. But what is a realistic close to recruiting for the early signing period? I'm not really thinking and I I would imagine this is a football uh, question. I'm not really thinking about recruiting in so much as I am portal and recruiting combined. Um, And so when we're talking about the the near term of a team, people need to realize that, you know, who's been the most impactful recruit Texas signed last offseason? You could say Kelvin Banks. 
Yep. Okay. Or you could say Ryan Watts and Quinn Ewers. Correct. And Isaiah Naor was headed there before his injury. Okay. So you tell me who the most important recruits are. Portal. And so, yeah, exactly. And so when I when I bring this up, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. I feel like Texas wants to be great next year. They need to be great in the portal. They need to go yes. find four or five starters. Not guys, starters. Yes. Uh, they would have signed three had Nayor stayed. Uh, not had Nayor not been uh, got injured. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, it, it, this is next year's year three for Sarkeesian. Um, he's either going eight and four, seven and five, or six and six in year two, right? Um, the six and six better not be the answer at the end of the day. Right. Um, but year three is where your expectations are really at. No matter if you lose Bijan and Roshan, Jonathan Brooks is a really good player. You sign Cedric Baxter, he's a really good player coming in. Are you going to have a guy the level of Bijan? No. Are you going to have better backs than a lot of people in college football? Yes. Combined with offensive line guys, young guys who are now a year older. Um, but I couldn't agree more. I, look, you have to combine the days of signing 28 guys and focusing on player development. Player development still key. Uh, don't get me wrong. You've seen player development on the defensive line and that linebacker with Jalen Ford. And I, I believe it's safety. Some of those guys are better players than they were last year, right? But Texas needs difference makers out of the portal. You're not going to get difference makers out of high school recruiting like you will in the portal. Um, and then, look, we, I mean, look, Shannon Terry Vaughn 3 said, you got to be able to discuss NIL, right? We're discussing NIL. Um, I, NIL is a major part of college athletics now. Um, Texas ha needs to have a great deal of focus on the portal headed in the year three under Sarkeesian. Signed a top 10 class once again, and they're ranked number six right now after the flip of Colton Vosick. Signed a top five class, six class, seventh ranked class. Um, I kind of got chewed up and spit out for saying I thought Texas was signing their best portal class this year. I still believe they will um, because I think the needs are that great um, at, at the portal linebacker. If you can find a safety, if you can find that dynamic edge rusher, um, the chances of some big-time defensive tackle through coaching change jumping into the portal. I mean, there's going to be some huge opportunities. Wide receiver, vertical threat, another vertical threat. Sarkeesian's going to throw the ball down the field, so the more vertical threats you have, the better. Um, so I, I just look at that and say portal, the closer recruiting in the portal is going to make my decision on how Texas closes in recruiting. Bottom line, I think they're going to do well in the high school ranks. I think they have a good product to sell. They've had two tremendous home field advantages, Alabama and TCU, where they brought in a lot of top prospects. Arch Manning is coming in in this recruiting class, right? Texas has still has juice. If they just go finish seven and five, eight and four, they still have juice. Um, but it's the portal is where I'm really going to grade Texas because I couldn't agree with you more, Bobby. Um, they need three, four, five impact players out of the portal. If they do that, they have a chance to really take the next step or two as a program. Dude, they, they get four or five starters out of the portal, keep what they've got. That's a pretty good roster. Yeah. So I'm yeah, just telling you. Because I don't think they're going to need a – they're not going to need a starter at offensive line, you wouldn't think. Maybe they, maybe if there's an elite guy out there to replace Christian Jones, maybe, right? Um, but beyond that, um, offense, I think, is pretty much taken care of as long as uh, they don't lose anybody uh, to the portal at receiver. Uh, JT Sanders should be back. Jalil Billingsley has another year if he stays. Uh, then you look on defense, though, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, you know, they have some major holes to fill. Um, and probably want to upgrade uh, at some spots, particularly uh, in the secondary and uh, beyond Jalen Ford at linebacker. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Let me ask you this, Jerry. Let's let's switch topics because uh, I think this is a good good conversation here. It seems Sonny Dykes is doing well after taking over the, the for the most successful coach in TCU history. Texas wouldn't touch Dykes, went after Meyer, and then just grasped grasp at straws again. Randy Jones. Um, I want to I want to say congratulations to Sonny Dykes, first of all, for the season he's having. You're 10-0. You're doing a great job. You've got a good offense. You've got a solid defense. Um, you've definitely uh, shown what you're capable of. I also want to say this. You've got a four-year starter at quarterback. you got a bunch of upperclassmen offensive linemen. you got two or three NFL players at receiver. 
and you got all your defensive starters except for one or two back from last year. I mean, they're, they are the most experienced team in the league. Correct. So let, let's be clear about that. I, I, I am not by any stretch trying to take away from what he's done. Uh, I want to say this. I don't think that Sonny Dykes would be 10-0 and at Texas this year no. if he was a coach at Texas. He wouldn't so be 10-0 nice. at SMU, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Stayed, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that that's my point is yeah. people want to say, oh, well, he's doing great here or he's doing great there. It, it's not it's not always the same. You know, it's not apples to apples. They have different guys up there. Gary Patterson had did not have the um, even though he had a tough couple seasons his last two seasons at, at TCU, he did not have this grand amount of um, uh, attrition that Tom Herman suffered. Uh, and so you see a bunch of four or five-year guys up there, Savion Williams, uh, Max Duggan. Uh, all these guys are, they're, they're multi-year, Davius Hodges Tomlinson. They're all multi-year guys that have been there forever. And so don't, don't get mistaken uh, by seeing someone like Sonny Dykes have immediate uh, success one place. We'll see if he has immediate, if he has sustained success, then more power to him. But my guess is that next year will be a little cyclical for him. Yeah, I I, I, to, I tend to agree 100%. I, I think, look, a lot of times, look, Gary Patterson is a tremendous evaluator. He always has been. You could argue him and Mike Gundy did the best job evaluating the state of Texas for the last 15 years. I mean, if you really – maybe Art Browse too, obviously, when he was at Baylor. But those are the three guys you'd point to that said they did the best job evaluating the state of Texas. And Gary did it with uh, from a st speed standpoint and a really upside standpoint. And like you said, that was a very experienced team he left that had a lot of injuries issues last year. Somebody's throwing Mel Tucker out there, right? Um, and look, these guys, I, I don't know about you, Bobby, when, when offensive-minded head coaches take over deep programs that had defensive head coaches that have the talent there and they come in and just kind of give some energy and some life to it. It's amazing what happens. Right. Um, and it's not always the case, but a lot of times it is. Uh, but you, these guys are ultimately judged on how they recruit after these years. I'm going to point to Dave Rand at Baylor right now. That's a, that's a great example. Because Matt Rule recruited a certain type of chip-on-the-shoulder, really fast physical athlete that fit his personality, that you had to be that to play for him. Is Baylor still recruiting that same level guy? Or all six of those guys that got drafted last year were all Matt Rule guys? And they're gone, and those guys are out of the program. And are you seeing a difference in Baylor now? That, I think, is something to watch if Sonny Dykes is at TCU long-term. Not saying he won't continue to have success, but it's definitely not guaranteed uh, because there's going to be that change in type of player these guys are recruiting from Gary Patterson to Sonny Dykes, and that really starts with this class. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's – I think Aranda is a great example uh, because uh, people wanted to anoint him as the next great – savior in coaching because he's you know this or that he won a big 12 championship with six nfl draft picks last year right and i think what is he now six and four is that right same as and, and, and by the way if things play out to where the the chatter is matt rule may take the nebraska job that means nebraska picked him over aranda yeah i mean just I mean, think about that. be clear though yeah. I mean, matt rule has won a little bit more than Dave Aranda has, right. even if Dave Aranda has a national championship as a defensive coordinator. Right. But, you if, know, you, but if you dig in a program for multiple years at, at different correct. levels. Correct. Yeah. But if you dig in, like, and you consider both those guys for your job, you and you dig in and do your homework, you say Matt Rule built is the guy that kind of built Baylor back up. And, and is Aranda going to be the guy to sustain it? If you're, if you're a program looking at both those guys to hire as a head coach, Matt Rule's probably going to get the nod. I, he'd get the nod from me 10 times out of 10. Uh, yes. So uh, what he did at Baylor was, was outstanding. And, and he, the thing that about Baylor with Matt rule that he proved is he, he built it to last. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, uh, and whatnot. Um, a couple other things, uh, Jerry, uh, you know, we're into Texas high school playoffs now in football. Um, you look around a lot of the same names that we've seen over and over again, 
are are the favorites uh, to win again this year. Uh, who are the best teams? And, and and I just this is just a curious question for me. Who are the best teams you've seen so far this year in the Texas high school football ranks? North Shore, despite not being not one of their five or six most talented teams in the last twenty years, there. They were playing early on better than any North Shore team I've ever seen on both sides of the ball until the quarterback went down with ACL against C.E. King. That literally opened up 6A uh, football for me. It feels like this could be Duncanville's year, but every time you say that, Samples has bad luck, an injury, or blocked extra point, or Hail Mary or something, right? I mean, that guy's lost in some brutal ways for a guy that's been in it that long. Um, is Westlake the best team? You know, there's something to be – I'm not the biggest culture guy, me, is the end-all, be-all, but there is something to be said for it. And and I think part of culture is physical – and football's physicality and expecting the win, and everybody hold, holds the line. And, you know, you talk about what makes Colton Vosick such a good prospect. He's Austin-Westlake culture on the football field. Jaden Greathouse. I mean, those are two of the top competitors they've had at Austin Westlake through the years. So do they have enough to carry him? Well, they look good in the region. Then you get to the state semifinal and state championship game, but they're really talented too. Um, you know, the smaller school is interesting. China Spring knocked off Carthage last year. Carthage had, I think, 10 or 11 guys back on defense. China Spring, there's some real 70-somethings to 7-somethings in the first round of the playoffs in your smaller schools this year. China Spring and Carthage are not in the same division. There's something to remember there. They don't have to play each other this year. I mean, Scott Surratt, for me, is as good a coach as we've ever had in this state. I think it was he won eight state titles at this point, maybe nine. Um, it, it, they don't have to play the quarterback China Spring there now? Is his son the quarterback now? Do what? Is his son the no, quarterback? No, that'll be next year. That'll next. be next year. Okay. And by the way, Surratt's son is a really good golfer, shooting low 70s. He's probably going to be a college golfer. <laughs> he he's he's got him playing quarterback in golf. Uh, Smart coach, like a, right? That's a guy that's uh, won a lot. I was gonna say that sounds like a future business guy to me. I don't know about you, not so much about the golf, but uh, it's, it's one of those things. Well, that's good. So, um, Jerry, what about uh, the D Dallas area, Duncanville? Any anybody else up there that you, you really know? Liked? Yeah, you know what's interesting is it, it, North Crowley is set up because the region they're in. Like, I was at, I went to North Crowley this year to see uh, Samaje Burrell, and that's when I saw Camori and Pimpton. Like, he transferred from, I believe it was Western Hills. Uh, and I was like, ooh, this guy's – we're on the right track and on through his ranking. Um, and so he was a good transfer back where he probably should have been the whole time. Um, but I was surprised how much young talent they had. I mean, North Crowley's always been a talented program. A lot of those kids have played basketball, but they have big athletic bodies. They have a sophomore quarterback that is a tremendous athlete and game manager uh, that is probably going to be a receiver at the next level. But in high school football, he can win you a lot of games. They have two running backs, a senior and a sophomore, who are Division One players. They're set up in their bracket to make a run. And they had a 10-0 regular season. And Burrell's a good leader. He's a tough kid. He's a physical kid. Uh, Ray Gates, the head coach, came over from Cedar Hill. He was the D coordinator. And he's done an unbelievable job in year one at North Crowley. So he, uh, you know, and Cedar Hill job just opened. So I'm sure uh, North Crowley will have to fight to keep him. But he's got some good young talent over at North Crowley. They've really surprised me. Um, you know, Bobby, you know how this game goes. When you walk through these talented schools, you literally count the Division I players, right? I happened to be at Duncanville on media day. And I was just watching the guys walk in and out of media day. And knowing how talented some of those guys, I counted 30-plus Division I guys, sophomore to senior class at Duncanville. And they've had some bigger teams physically on the offensive line, defensive line than they have this year. But I'm not sure they've had more talented skill teams. At Duncanville. So maybe this is the year they finally get over the hump. All right. Question for you. A little changing it up here. Um, speaking with Jerry Hamilton of On3 and InsideTexas.com. It's our Longhorn live stream on Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Jerry and I are here. On Wednesday morning, I'll have uh, the state of the program, our weekly segment with Eric Nalin, publisher of uh, Inside Texas. Uh, please be sure to tune in to that one tomorrow. Uh, question about Big 12 championship title hopes. For the Longhorns, do they are they still in existence? Aaron R says so. If for some crazy reason we win the next two, 
Would we need Kansas State and Oklahoma State to drop one more? Um, no. You would only need Kansas State to drop one more. If Texas wins out, which has to happen for Texas to have a shot, uh, only Kansas State would need to lose. Uh, and then Texas would be uh, the second Big 12 representative behind TCU. Uh, you know, there are technically Texas Tech is not even out of it yet. Oklahoma State, Kansas State's uh, involved. Um, you know, there are a number of teams that, that can still win, uh, but it is, uh, it, it's looking like Kansas State is the only one, the only second team that controls its own destiny uh, at this point. Um, Jerry, is that, go, go back to what we were thinking about preseason. Who did you have preseason winning the Big 12? Um, I had Oklahoma because I was like, pick them until they don't, until they prove you wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I and I think I had TCU as my sleeper, but that was just based on somebody that uh, close to the T, very close to the TCU program that said we're going to be a lot better than people think. Um, so um, I, I think I had Oklahoma versus either Texas or TCU. I, I'd have to look back on it, but those are pretty much the three teams. I thought Oklahoma State just lost too much. Um, mad respect to Gundy for being a tremendous football coach, but those are kind of the three I had. I, I, I was looking at. Got it. Um, I feel like the Big 12, uh, we went into the season thinking that it was going to be very uh, – a lot of team, a lot of parity in the league, and it has been. I mean, yeah. it's lived up to its uh, billing in that regard. Uh, by, one by, team, by the way, by the way, it tells you, again, you know, you credit the TCU because they are knocking the quarterbacks out of the game, right? But um, the health at the quarterback position has been really key in the Big 12 race this year, if you ask me. Spencer Sanders hasn't been healthy for a while. Um, Kansas, would they have got to a big 12 title game? No, but they lost their quarterback against TCU. Dylan Gabriel goes out against TCU, misses the Texas game, right? Uh, Quinn Ewers goes down, misses the Texas Tech game, right? I mean, you just don't know. The quarterback position has been often injured in this conference this year. Um, and, 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 you know, the interesting thing with the TCU is Max Dugan wasn't the starter. They'd gone to Chandler Morris because they thought it opened up the passing game. But Chandler Morris getting injured, um, while Chandler Morris is a really good player and a good passer, might have been a blessing in disguise for this TCU team because it had the quarterback run element. So it's interesting how the quarterback injuries have impacted the Big 12 in a number of ways this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just – it's not just that. I mean, it's just been all over the map. I mean, I, I you know, some like just really odd – I mean – West Virginia beating Oklahoma after West Virginia looking like they couldn't, you know, bust a grape, right. <laughs> you know, for half the year. Uh, I'm just looking at it. Kansas gets off to a uh, six and or five and O start, you know, and now six and four overall Texas tech has had an up and down year, not unlike Texas. Uh, right. And so I, I'm just looking across the big 12 and Iowa state is the bottom dweller in the big 12. Think about that. They're one and six in conference. And they've given up the least points in yeah. conference play, by the way. They've only given up 140 points in seven games. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy stat. If it, But they've only scored 123 when you look at it. I mean, it's an offense. We talk about it all the time. This is an – sports are about offense now. They really are. And in, in, that's why I think the Texas fans had such a struggle with Sark at times this year is because the second half has been the opposite of that. And it's not just since Quinn Ewers has been playing. It was the road at Texas Tech, and it's dated back to last year. Um, this is an offensive world we live in, like Golden State and basketball. What, what is Golden State known for? Three-point shooting, Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. You don't, Other than Georgia last year, you don't think about great defense in sports anymore. I mean, it, it's an offensive world. Iowa State's the best defensive team in the Big 12. They're in last place. Yeah, it'll keep you in games nowadays, but it may not win it. That's right, and that's the most frustrating losses. If if I mean Matt Campbell's having his most frustrating coaching season, um, a guy that's won four coach of the year in his first seven years as a head coach, this is his most frustrating season because he's probably got the best defense he's had. Yeah, it, it's just tough. It's tough hearing it. Um, uh, all right, I want to thank our sponsor, Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. 
When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, thank those guys for being a, a long-term sponsor with us here uh, almost from the outset. So, hey, hey, Bobby, something I want to hit on um, for, for all the fans out there. So there's December 21st is a signing period this year. So there's three big visit weekends coming up. Texas had their last big home visit weekend for TCU. Baylor's day after Thanksgiving, not going to be that. So you have three official visit weekends in December, and I want to run through the guys we have confirmed. I just put out tonight on Inside Texas, Tyler Scott, the, the, the cornerback out of Pebble Brook in the Atlanta area, December 17th, same weekend, Jelani McDonald, the linebacker out of Waco Connolly's coming in for his official. Justin Benton, defensive tackle um, out of Newton High School in Covington, Atlanta area. He's coming in the first week in December. So we're starting to see some of the targets that haven't officially visited line up official visits. Um, two other guys, Elijah Davis, junior college defensive tackle out of East Mississippi. He's visited South Carolina, where he's from, going to visit Tennessee. Texas is working on an official visit with him. Uh, then there's Roderick Pierce, goes by Trey Pierce, defensive tackle out of Chicago area. Texas offered him a couple of weeks ago, working on getting an official visit set up for him. So these top targets that haven't been on campus yet, you're starting to see those official visits begin to get lined up. And there's three official visit weekends again in December. And that's just not impactful in high school. Obviously, December 4th is our big day in the portal. And you'll start to see midweek weekend visits uh, in the portal. And that's going to be a crazy run up to December 24th. Boy, I wonder, how do you deal? I mean, if you're a college coach, um, how do you deal with that? I mean, because what you do in the portal may impact who you're able to get in high school and vice versa. Yeah, it, it, normally, Bobby, when we came up in this business, okay, coaches get on the road after the season and they don't see their home again until the day before signing, except on those Friday, Saturday, Sundays. But now you're balancing it all. Who's on the road, who's not? We got guys coming in for midweeks and the port, for portal visits because now we're past the uh, COVID uh, Zoom calls like we're doing here in recruiting, right? It's real in-face recruiting again. And you're talking about going to homes of kids who are in the portal and visiting those kids. Like Sarkeesian got left an official visit weekend last year to go to South Lake. Then Day Quinn entered the portal. Right, that's what you're faced with now. So these coaches, uh, people say they make a lot of money, but man, they work a ton of hours. And it is a it, it, while the recruiting departments for me and you may have gotten too big at times um, in some manners. Putting it all together, making that schedule fit for all these guys is a huge job for these recruiting departments at these major universities. And Steve Sarkeesian, the staff, they have their work cut out for them because their needs in the portal are probably more in the high school ranks, but they have to sign a top five class to keep that momentum going. Yeah. I, I just feel like you, you have to figure that out. Right. I mean, it, it's gotta be a, it's a jigsaw puzzle. You know, it's not any, it's not a clear one versus one. It's, it's, it's a, a group of guys that you have to figure this out. Hey, here's a question, Jerry. You and I have talked about this before. Uh, in the college game, particular here, uh, if you had a choice, would you prefer a dual threat quarterback over a pure drop back passer? Well, it just all depends to me. Um, yeah. I would take Quinn, I would take uh, Vince Young all day and twice on Saturday, right? <laughs> or right. twice on Sunday as the play, time may be. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are guys that I'd take Tom Brady too, you know? So I think it's all, I, I really believe this. It's about being great. Um, and whatever a person is great at, uh, then that's what you want in college football. I would lean more to wanting a dual threat guy. Most of the time, yeah. pro football is a little bit different, right? For the college game, I'm going to agree with you. Let's take Vince Young and Cam Newton out of it. We won't see Vince Young again. He's still the best college player I've ever seen. I expect to see him in my life. For the college game, it doesn't mean he's going to go one in the draft, five, ten, whatever happens. I think more than dual threat, escapability. I look at Bryce Young, and Alabama isn't having their best season. They've just been too undisciplined. But to me, Bryce Young in college football is kind of where, what you want. You want the guy that doesn't take the sacks, that keep plays alive. He'll make plays with his feet but he's not necessarily a true runner. He's a passer that wins games with his feet, keeping plays alive more than 
quarterback design run plays. I, I think I that's the ticket nowadays because I think that's the ticket unless you have a special runner, a Michael Vick, a Vince Young, a Cam Newton type, which are just – we've seen three of those guys. I, I think that the that you can get away with something a little bit different in college football, and they're more plentiful. And that's guys like a Jalen Daniels, who is a thrower but can run. He's right. more than, he's a highly functional runner. Like he's a better runner than, say, a Max Dugan who can run the zone read but isn't necessarily shifty, right? Um, and so I, I look at him, or even the Frank Harris guy at, at UTSA. Um, he kept that. He kept. He single-handedly kept them in that game. Yep. I mean, I know UTSA did some things on their own to to keep them in the Texas game for quite a while. But Frank Harris was a difference maker. You just couldn't tackle him, and he all of a sudden mitigates a a dramatic um, a strategic or dramatic talent advantage overall that Texas had. Yeah, and, and if the interesting thing to me is look at the last ten national champion quarterbacks. I mean. That's why you throw Vince and Cam and Michael Vick out, right? You just throw those guys out. Those are special guys. They're not. There's not around much, right? Um, it Stetson Bennett, pocket guy. Deshaun Watson, more of a pocket guy, functional athlete. Trevor Lawrence, um, Tua. You know, I mean. So, I still think there's an element of your defensive line better be great. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the quarterbacks, but. It's a it's a quarterback and defensive line driven sport. Uh, college football is, and so who, no matter who your quarterback is, your defensive line better be elite. Um, but I think it's more. I, we just haven't seen the true dual threat guy win a national championship in a while, have we? I, it's been passer first. I'm trying, to think of, I'm trying to think of one. Ohio State won it with Cordell Jones. I mean, he wasn't really dual threat. He's, He's a pocket guy. lined up and throw yeah. it. Um, JT yeah. Barrett got him here before he got hurt. Yeah, JT Barrett may have. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I think you make a good point. Uh, you know the the idea being for me that I like about a quarterback that can that can be a dual threat is it helps you in the run. It can manufacture right. run game uh, when it's not really there. Yes. Uh, when they do put eight in the box. All of a sudden, you're, you you can you can still manufacture a run game. Sometimes. Well, and, and to your point. If Robert Griffin played at Alabama, he'd have never lost a game. <laughs> I mean, so it's just Robert Griffin was at a team that didn't defensively have the defensive line and the personnel to win yeah. the national championship because he was the best quarterback in college football, and you could simply not defend the guy. He was too good of an athlete and passer at the same time. So to your point, I think those guys are the difference. They just haven't been on the right team. Yeah, that's fair. I think that they make up – I do think that those guys make up uh, – for more grounds for middle road teams yes, than do no the passers. Um, they, I mean, they make you more difficult to defend. I, here, here's a question for you um, before we go. One Big 12 coach here, would you give it to Sonny Dykes? No doubt. Or, or the guy at Kansas? That's like a 12-win season. I mean, his quarterback goes down. Here's the other one. Is is the is the best coach, young coach? I'm like age wise. We're talking about who's doing the best job. Is it DeBoer at Washington? I mean, you know, there's the Jeff Trailers at UTSA. Who's a it, he's had tons of injuries. He may win ten games two years in a row. But what's happening at University of Washington? I you, you lived up there for a while. He beat Oregon this weekend. He has his transfer quarterback Michael Penix, Penix, whatever his name is, Penix from South Florida, who came from Indiana. And with the job he's done at Washington, they're eight and two. They just beat Oregon. Is anybody doing a better coaching job than him this year? National coach of the year, I don't know. I mean, I look, but Sonny Dykes is nobody expected this from them. Right. Nobody expected them to be 10 and 0. The uh I tell you one one that uh that interests me. Um, and you talked about you know good coaching jobs this year. I look over at the future conference of the University of Texas, and that's uh that's Josh Heupel. Yeah. Uh, in the SEC, he's got to be a uh, possibility for that national coach of the year job, too. Uh, I really like the job Lane Kiffin has done at Ole Miss. Um, he's got them, uh, you know, in the upper tier of the SEC West. How, how about this? All the guys we're talking about, other than TCU, transfer quarterbacks. The portal. Hendon Hooker was Virginia Tech. The kid at Washington was Indiana. Um Jackson, Jackson Hart with USC. 
these are guys doing it with first year, well, Hendon Hooker's second year, but Washington, first year quarterback. Ole Miss, first year quarterback that transferred out of the system. Jaden, Jalen Daniels, first year quarterback. So yeah. we always think that again goes to the portal. It's not, you can do it in one, in one year too. I think that's being proven. You can look at FSU. He saved his job through the portal, not high school recruiting. So the importance of the portal for Texas fans is right there in front of you in college football right now. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And um, I'm going to be surprised if, if the Longhorns don't go in that direction, at least uh, uh, to some degree, because I think, you know, look, you could add four or five free agents or to your team in the NFL. You do it yeah. right. Um, yeah. You want to, you want to uh, bring players into your program and uh, develop them. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's dog eat dog world out there and you got to win immediately uh, to keep that uh, train moving. All right, uh, that's been it. That's going to be it for tonight. We really appreciate you guys uh, hanging with us. Uh, this has been the Longhorn live stream. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton uh, talking for Jerry Hamilton here. We wish you guys a good night. Thanks for watching. And thanks again to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Uh, Jerry, you have a good one, buddy. Have fun at the Moody tomorrow. I think you're going to love it. I'm excited, dude. I really am. Take care, man. All right, bud.